Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and it helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's our guest speaker with this message. All right, good to see you guys. I've been saying good morning all morning, but now it's afternoon. Uh, welcome. My name is Pastor Frank. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Rock Harbor Church. Uh, obviously, Pastor Brandon is away with the small team in Israel. And so, um, like I always say, don't be sad if you see Pastor Brandon because you get me. All right. Um, so, welcome. So, you know, if I can get some of you guys to just come towards the middle and make this look a little bit fuller, you know. I'm just joking. All right. Um, anyways, uh, welcome. And uh, like I said, we're, we're, we're glad to have you. One of the things that I wanted to touch on really quick was the, uh, I wanted to comment on the video that Pastor Brandon had uh, sent uh, last night to get put together. Um, this thing that we're doing in Israel is a huge deal. And so I just want uh, to express that to you that God is opening the doors in Israel, um, opening amazingly. There's, there's areas that they're going, there's people that they're ministering to that not everybody would get access to. So it's a God thing. God is opening doors over there uh, for us, allowing us to minister. So it's, it's, it's a huge deal. And so I just wanted to express that to you guys. I said it like three times the last service, huge deal. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's just something that uh, not everybody gets an opportunity to experience. And I think through the faithfulness of, of Pastor Brandon and Rock Harbor and all of everybody who gave in our online ministry uh, has enabled us to go ahead and have the privilege to minister to folks over there in Israel. Like I said, to be able to be on the ground in there and to be trusted in that way, to go and meet with the troops and stuff, um, that's not something that's given over lightly to some people. So it's very a, much a privilege to be over there and ministering that way, to have a team uh, operating that, uh, that area. So with that being said, we're, we're very thankful. We're, um, it's it's a, a blessing to be able to be a part of that. It's a blessing to be, be a part of this ministry here. Um, so with that being said, let's get into our message today. Today's message, we've titled it, I've titled it, Maintaining Hope in Perilous Times. Okay, and that's gonna be, we're gonna be, uh, studying from the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And so some of you guys might be familiar with the book of Habakkuk. It's in the, uh, it's in the back of the... It's, uh, Habakkuk hangs out with his friends, the minor prophets back there, okay? And uh, so they're called minor prophets, but that's not any indication on the importance of their message. Their message was just as important as any other, any other prophet, okay? So... Uh, as I was praying to prepare this message today, I was asking the Lord, like, Lord, where, where, do, where, where should we go? Where should we dig into? You know, where, what kind of things uh, should, should I present to the congregation? And this came to me, and I was thinking, okay, Lord, but this is not a very upbeat, Christmassy type of message that I'm about to deliver. But obviously, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to give you guys the truth, right? And so... The book of Habakkuk, that's what we're going to be uh, studying from. I wanted to give you guys some background on Habakkuk, okay? So the name Habakkuk actually means to embrace, all right? Uh, or uh, it's also thought to be as the full embrace, okay? And it was written prior to the Babylon, uh, Babylon achieving uh, the empire status. 
around year 640 uh, BC, okay? Habakkuk was the last to preach in Judah before the Babylonian captivity and was a prophet that lived during the 12th or 13th year of the uh, reign of King Josiah, okay? So that's the background. I, I want to talk about King Josiah for a minute. That way it'll give us kind of an, it'll give us an understanding on what's going on in the land at this time during Habakkuk, uh, as uh, his uh, encounter with God. So uh, another thing about Habakkuk is that, as you see, it's a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. And you'll see that through the theme of, of, of the book. All right, they go back and forth. So it's a dialogue, okay? But I want to give you a background on what's going on during this time. All right, so let's look at King, uh, King Josiah for a minute, okay? For a few minutes, actually. So if you uh, want to jot this down, this comes from 2 Kings chapter 22, uh, and it's, uh, it's 22 all the way to the end. It's the full chapter. He'll talk about King Josiah. I didn't, I didn't bring that whole, all those, that whole chap, uh, chapter to you guys because we just don't have time, right? So I, I've summarized it for us here. So King Josiah became, or Josiah became king at eight years old. Later during his reign, he learned Judah was not following the book of the law. And after the king Josiah had heard the book of the law himself, he became deeply disturbed and tore his garments. Uh, basically, he was being convicted by the word. King Josiah sent a priest to a prophetess named Huldah. She prophesied to the priest that the Lord would bring calamity because they have forsaken the Lord and burned incense to other idols. So they give us an idea of what's going on here, right? Uh, Judah was getting way off track. They find the scrolls. They find uh, the word of God. He gets convicted by it. And what does he do? He takes action, okay? So King Josiah gathered his people, made a covenant to the Lord to keep his commandments, testimony, and statutes with all his heart and all his soul. Josiah cleansed, uh, cleansed the temple from idols that were made to Baal, Asherah, and burned them outside of Jerusalem. He then removed the idolatrous priest who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, and to the constellations and to the hosts of the heavens. So one thing I want to just mention, the host of the heavens, that's the demonic realm. So they were involved in uh, idolatry. They had de demonic uh, uh, influences going on. He, and then he goes on further. He tore down, uh, like I said, <coughs> a large wooden idol, had it burned. He tore down the prostitution houses that were going on in that in the temple, he seized the, practiced, uh, the practice of Moloch worship, that no child should be forced to pass through the fires of Moloch. He cleared out all the idols and eventually had the priests who practiced such things ex executed. So he took him out, the priest that was implementing all these, no more, right? It stops, okay? So Josiah was a good king, Okay? He desired to live right by God and have, uh, have his people live right by God. King Josiah literally cleaned house, took down all the idols, stopped all the pagan practices. He stopped temple prostitution. He even stopped child sacrifice. All right. So I'm going to pause there for a minute. So Josiah would have been one of those guys that said, make Judah great again. All right. He would have drained the swamp type of guy, right? He would have been the guy that we want for our nation, 
okay? Cleaned up the house, right? Clean the house. Clean it all up. Got all the external, got all the house, got all the areas cleaned out. Get everything placed back in order, okay? So he would have been that guy. But there is a problem. There is a problem with what's going on, all right? So even though Josiah's heart was in the right place, he cleaned the temple out, took down the altars and the other things, uh, and other things that were being involved in there, but the people's hearts were not changed. The people had not cleared out the internal idols of themselves. The people had not dealt with the lusts of their hearts and tore down the worldly belief systems. This is why we see such violence and sin in Habakkuk's day. So the same thing for us, right? As we look from uh, in 2020 or when Trump was in office, a lot of things were in order, right? We thought, hey, we got the guy in that we need. Wasn't perfect, right? Uh, didn't said some dumb stuff. But we got the guy that we want in there. He's going to make things right. He's going to make us energy efficient. Basically make us prosperous. That's what, that's what Josiah did. So they, they felt prosperous. They felt good. They felt, hey, our gas prices is pretty low. We're good. We have extra money in our pocket. Jobs are up. But if you recall during that time, what was going on in, when Trump was in office? There was a lot of turmoil going on in the background. There was a lot of division, a lot of violence. It was It was bad. And that's because the people's hearts had not been cleared out, okay? And so that's the same thing that goes for you and I. The same thing is for you and I is that uh, we got to clear out this stuff, right? You got to clear the porch off, but you also got to clean out the inside too, okay? So I know we're not studying the second Kings right now, but I saw a glaring principle uh, from here, and I was like, you know what? We'll go ahead and talk about it. So our principle and application from 2 Kings, looking at Josiah, is this. Our desire to grow close to God should cause to evaluate the internals of our heart, okay? Not like your actual blood pumping heart, but it's your soul, it's your character, it's what makes you who you are. And take action against anything that is hindering our walk with Jesus, okay? What is our application here? So when dealing with personal issues, we must not only take care of the external, but we must take care of the internal, all right? So obviously, external is good. That's the first very, uh, you know, if you have an ex- a problem, you know, uh, with looking at pornography online or alcohol, whatever it is, right? The very first thing you want to do is put controls on it. It's good, right? Those are good things, okay? But... Those things will only go so far because eventually your sin nature is going to take over and find ways to go around that. If it's alcohol, it's going to find a way to get through a, a locked up alcohol, right? Your body, you're going to figure it out, okay? So physical controls are good, but they're not going to last long because you have to take care of the internals. So why is it important to take care of these internals, right? It's, in, it's important because these things impact our fellowship with God, these things, we want to, our, our desire should be to walk closely with God. But if these things are left unchecked, it'll put a gap between our relationship with God. We will not be in full fellowship with him. We will not be able to operate as he wants us to operate in obedience. Okay? 
So physical controls will only go so far. We have to address the heart issue. The heart issue is a reflection of what we believe falsely about God. Okay, so it's our, our attitude towards God or, or our attitude of what we believe about God's word. Like, oh, you know, uh, it's not that bad. Or, you know, God doesn't see this. Or I deserve this because I went through this. Those types of attitude. But if we actually get down to it and have a proper belief about God, we know how God feels about sin. Can't look upon it. So... That's why it's important for us to get these things out, to not only clear the internals uh, or clear the externals of our temple, but to also clean the internals, all right? And that has a very hard time. It's a very hard time for some people. Why? It's because doing so is work. Clearing out the inside of the temple is, is hard sometimes. Why? Because you have to look at truths that happened to you long t- back in, your, in the days that caused you to act this way anyways, so some people just give up. They'll say, you know what? I'm good with the externals. And what is the externals? Uh, if you just fix the externals, what does that result in? Okay? What that results in is a cycle. Okay? It results in a cycle. You have a moment of, of, of clarity. You have a moment of sobriety, a moment of clarity. Then you have a trigger, and then you go back. It's just a cycle. Always going, right? So we've got to figure out how to break that cycle. The cycle that we see in ourselves is like the cycle that we see in Israel, right? Anytime we look at Israel, we can look, it's a mirror for ourselves. We're not Israel, right? But we can look at Israel and be like, okay, I can see what's going on. Israel will do fine, and then they'll get themselves in trouble with idolatry, and then they'll get chastened by the Lord or killed, and then they get back on track. But it's a cycle, okay? It's a cycle, so we got to break that cycle, all right, and that comes with counseling and obviously studying the word of God, getting a proper belief of what God says about sin, getting a proper belief of what God says about who we are. Okay, so sometimes there's issues identifying who we are in Christ. Okay, causes to act and behave a certain way. All right, so like I said, I wanted to touch on that just for a really uh, brief moment. So now we're going to get on into Habakkuk chapter one, verse one. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and go there. All right. This very long verse here, <laughs> it says, uh, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, okay? So I highlighted the burden there because I wanted to just talk about that really briefly, all right? So the burden is Masah in Hebrew. The word burden is a Hebrew word for oracle or heavy message. Habakkuk is about to present an oracle that is a heavy message relating to his own nation, his official position, it's stated there, is the prophet Habakkuk, prophet Habakkuk. He's a prophet of God. As we know, the mark of a prophet is anyone who has received a direct revelation from God and what he saw. The heavy message was a prophetic message. Like I'm saying, it's a heavy message he's about to tell his people. And I think that's what at times a, a preacher or a pastor has the heavy task at presenting a heavy message, okay? Like I said, it's not a good Christmassy feeling, and, but I'm sure there's churches in Bakersfield that are preaching that this morning, right? But that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to give you with, uh, the word and give you the truth, okay? So let's check this out. Verse one, excuse me, verse two through four. And it goes like this. O Lord God, O Lord, how long shall I cry 
and you will not hear. Even I cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For the plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. So he just said that to the Lord, right? Right, because it says right there, that's in the scripture. He did say that, okay. One of the things I wanted to, before we look at this a little bit closer, I highlighted the word uh, violence, and I wanted to share that with you. The actual word violence in Hebrew actually means is Hamas. Yeah, look at the definition of Hamas. The word Hamas is Hebrew for violence, wrongdoing, cruelty, injustice. Interesting, right? Israel understands the word, but I don't know if Hamas, when they, I think it's an acronym for whatever their organization is, but I don't, think, I don't know if they know this or not. So I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to share that with you. Okay, let's get back. So he's looking, he's, he's, he's Habakkuk is seeing these things. He's seeing these uh, things before him. He's seeing iniquity. He's seeing uh, violence. He's seeing um, that the, the, he's saying that the law is powerless, that justice never, go, never goes forth. Nothing ever happens. As a matter of fact, the wicked, they surround the righteous people. Let's look at Habakkuk's attitude really quick. Habakkuk's attitude towards God is this. Lord, are you slacking? I feel like it. Lord, are you not listening? Lord, why must I see this? Lord, where is your justice? And Lord, does it pay to be righteous? Because it doesn't seem so. Just like Habakkuk, we might feel the same way sometimes. Especially when we look around us, we look, we look in our community, we look, at, we look at what's going on in the world. With Israel, we look at what's going on in our, our nation, our city, our community, our family, our workplace. We see these things. I wanted to point out a few things to you. And this could be when we feel like Habakkuk at times. This could be us. Lord, are you slacking? Because six million babies were killed by the abortion pill. The abortion pill is, is a two-pill thing. Uh, um, pharmaceutical, it's mifepristone which blocks progesterone, a hormone essential for a healthy pregnancy given at the first, uh, so given at the first abortion pill, this drug cuts off blood supply and nutrients to developing embryo. That's the first pill. The second pill is this. It's taken uh, to cause the uterus to expel the embryo in a short, or basically in short, it induces early labor. An estimated 5.9 million women have used the abortion pill in the U.S. To, for a termination of pregnancy. 
We might ask ourselves, Lord, are you slacking? Because under the umbrella of a woman's right to choose, an unborn life is brutally ended in what's supposed to be the safest place for a child in the womb. Under the veil of the flesh and fluid, the baby in the womb is deprived of blood that's essential to the child's ability to thrive in the womb. The child is essentially cut off from blood flow and nutrients, starving the child to death. After the child's life is torturally ended in the womb, it's now forcefully expelled from the body through induced labor. This lifeless, innocent body is now disposed, tossed away, resulting from the death sentence for simply existing. No crime was committed here. Their only crime was that they existed. I'll share this with you, and I don't have a slide for it. But before I I came in full-time ministry, I worked for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. And one of the policies there is the use of deadly force policy. It's CCR 3268. And it's basically that California respects the sanctity of life. And I understand that. I can be on board with that. I, I, I agree with that policy. That's, a good, that's good, right? Because I, I, I feel the same way about the sanctity of human life, right? Precious. Life is precious. But in that same vein or same, not area, not even very far, our, our government is passing laws to kill innocent babies. On one hand, you have an inmate, a criminal who's been tried, convicted, sent to prison, has got more rights than you're looking at a child whose only crime is simply just existing. How is that fair? Very frustrating. That was one of the things that I had a hard time dealing with. Sometimes we might feel like, again, Lord, are you not listening I found this on uh, Cosmopolitan's Instagram page. And it says, Cosmo promotes satanic abortion ritual. Uh, oh, I found an article. The article is saying that uh, Cosmo promotes satanic abortion ritual, killing uh, babies to empower women. On its Instagram page, Cosmo is promoting a satanic abortion ritual to empower women getting abortions. Apparently, killing babies somehow makes women's life better and makes them more powerful. Cosmo celebrates satanic abortion ceremonies and touts how they are customizable for women and give advice on how the best way to take the abortion pill that starves the unborn child to death. It says here, find a quiet space. Bring a mirror if you can. Just before taking the medication, gaze at your reflection and focus on your personhood. Home in on your intent, your responsibility to you, is what Cosmo says. And that the narcissism that, this is, uh, that is the focus of the satanic abortion, abortion ritual, a worship of self. Ignore the baby who is killed in the abortion and focused on only your wants and your desires. It's a complete and total worship of selfish, selfishness over selflessness, which is not surprising given the fact that uh, Satanism is the opposite of Christianity where Jesus selflessly died for the sins of the world. It's a total 180. 
as you see the cross there, it's upside down. That's not a, that's no accident. Take a few, this is the instructions by Cosmo and the TST. Take a few deep, relaxing breaths when you're ready. Read the following tenets aloud. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will be done. Will, uh, excuse me, owns a will alone. Take the medication and immediately afterward, recite beliefs. Recite. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care uh, never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Later, later, once the procedure is complete, return to your reflection. Focus again on your personhood, your power in making this decision. Complete the ritual by reciting a personal affirmation. By my body, by my blood, by my will, it's done. That's disgusting. Totally anti-Christ. Mirror or, mirror or mantras is not TST's point, is that your abortion should focus on your autonomy in making this decision. Patients can include as many loved ones as they like, or light candles, or even dress up. Whatever makes them feel empowered. Lord, are you not listening? Are you not seeing what's going on? The other question we might ask the Lord, Lord, why must I see this? Why do I got to see this stuff going on in the world? On October 7th, the atrocities committed by terrorists, because that's what they are, against Israeli civilians were witnessed worldwide. Civilians, they weren't combatants. They weren't soldiers. They weren't reservists. They were children. Grandparents, elderly, parents, living their normal life. And the only offense is being Jewish. Sound familiar? Imagine being gunned down for just simply existing. Just like I shared with you, imagine being killed in what is supposed to be in the safest place for a child in the mother's womb for simply existing. I pulled this last night. I, I wanted to show you guys And it's the same question, Lord. Why must we see this? Child hostages were beaten and branded with boiling hot metal pipe. Children. How is this so? They're not prisoners of war. They're not combatants. They're kids. The testimony of Thai foreign worker who was released from Hamas captivity said this. I was with Israelis and they were Hamas, there were Hamas guards all the time. The Jews who were with me were treated more harshly. Sometimes they were beaten with electrical cables. Horrible. They were treated more harshly for just being a Jew. One of these things I wanted to point out to you. Planned Parenthood and Hamas have the same values. Both organizations have no problem decapitating babies. At all. Actually, I think probably Planned Parenthood has done more damage than Hamas. You think about the hor horrific act of a child being put in an oven by Hamas. That's horrible. 
But Planned Parenthood has no problem with burning a child in the womb with a solution that helps abort the child. We've been doing this for years. Terrific. We may ask, Lord, where is your justice? Where is your justice, Lord? How is it that a four-year-old and a two-year-old innocent child has to be traded for an uh, extremist, a criminal that's been captured for stabbing people? How is that possible, Lord? Where is the justice? Where is the justice in an 85-year-old lady, Yafa Adar, being traded for this 33-year-old extremist, Fatima Shaheen, who stabs people? How is that, how is that possible? How is this exchange even just? It's not. When I was putting together, the, something came, uh, came across my mind, and it was this. It's Jesus and Barabbas. Some of you guys are familiar with this story. I think Passion of the Christ had made this scene very popular. So one of the interesting things I observed and wanted to share with you, so when we see in Luke 23, 13 through 25, you can go there and look at it. I don't have, we don't have the time to go through that verse, those, those verses, but it's the historical account of Jesus and Barabbas. Most of you are already familiar with this, like I said. Here we see an exchange between two people. One of these peoples is blameless, innocent, perfect, and spotless. The other is a rebel and a murderer. It's like what we're seeing right before our very own eyes with Israel and Hamas. Israel is having to exchange rebels and murderers for innocent, harmless, pure-minded children. Do you see the irony here? That at one time is totally opposite at one time, they gave up the innocent for the convicted. And now they're having to give the convicted for the innocent. It's the opposite. But just as Jesus took the place of a murderer, he took the place for you and I. Jesus stood in our place and by his blood paid the ultimate price for our sin. I just thought that was interesting when I was putting this together. I was like, man, that's right there. Another question that could be asked is, God, why, does it pay to be righteous? Does it pay to do the right thing all the time? Because it doesn't feel like it because I can't get ahead. Look at this. That's right here in Bakersfield. TJ Maxx, I found that yesterday. We have a group of hardworking people that go to work, are diligent with their money, trying to save up for Christmas gifts, and then you got these guys. Right? Does it pay? I went to Kohl's yesterday. 
give me some new shoes. And I, I thought to myself, I go to get in line, and if you've been to Coles on Gosford, the line went all the way back to the layaway stuff, layaway. Long line. I had my stuff. I was like, man, I could break for the door right now. I wouldn't. But I got to say, it ran across my mind for a hot minute, and I thought, no, I got to preach tomorrow. I can't get arrested. Then I have to have uh, Pastor Roy filling for me. And Pastor Brandon won't be very happy if I do that. I'm joking, but that is that thought you see. Here we are standing in line waiting for 30 minutes to pay for our stuff when you have people that just go in and just take stuff and walk out. Nothing happens, right? I got this from the Kern uh, County Scanner Club on Facebook. And uh, I don't think that page does me very well for my mental health, right? Because I'm constantly seeing crime seeing things go on, and you're like, oh man. One of the things that gets me is people's vehicles are getting stolen like every day, right? And you're wondering like, okay, is my car going to get stolen next? I have this fear. It's, so pray for me. I have this fear that someone's going to steal my car. Why? Because it's a Kia. And they're stealing Kia right now. Kias, the Kia boys. They'll steal your Kia and take it on for a joyride and do donuts and whatever and leave it in a field. And so my poor wife, she has to f- hear me complain about my car, the fear of my car getting stolen. So pray for me. <laughs> so anyways, the Kern County Scanner, that's where I got that from. That was actually in TJ Maxx. Uh, I, I don't know which one. Probably I can guess by the Valley Plaza. But that's where that's at. And then we ask ourselves, is it pay to be righteous? Does it pay to do the right thing? Let's look at injustice on a personal level. Same applies for us, Right? We may see people in our lives getting away with stuff. Maybe it's a family member that's always misbehaving and nothing happens to them. Maybe at a point where they even get enabled and everybody gathers around that person and coddles them. Poor so-and-so, he's so this. And you're like, he's misbehaving. He's into that because of his own decisions. Oh, you're so mean. How could you be so unloving, Pastor Frank? Well, I'm sorry, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to partake in that. We see fellow coworkers, right, getting away with being lazy. They always seem to know how to work the system, right? Like I said, I worked for the CDCR, and I've had some great coworkers. I've had some great supervisors. But there is a batch of lazy folks. And they, see, they know how, they know exactly how to work the system, Right? So we look at other, we can look at uh, maybe even a business owner. They cheat in their business and nothing seems to happen to them. They always seem to be, one, be a little bit more prosperous than somebody who's doing the right thing, right? You see them and you're like, man, I'm trying to do the right thing over here. And this guy, he's a lie, cheating still. And look at him. So we see that injustice. We might question. But Don't worry. There's a response to all this, all right? And here's God's attitude. I put God's attitude, but you can put God's words, God's truth, God's however you want to put it. But it's his attitude towards all of this. And this is 2 Peter 3, 9. It said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As one, some count slackless, 
slackness, but it is long-suffering toward us, not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what he's talking about is this. God is not slack. He's waiting for people to change their mind about their sin and to get right. How many times, you know, I don't know if anybody in here struggles with road rage or whatever, and you get cut off and you're like, oh, you know, I want that person, uh, I want him to get arrested right now. Where's the police at? Let me call 911. This guy cut me off. You want that justice right now, right? Or maybe somebody has done something wrong to you and you want justice for them. I want, I want justice, Lord. I want it right now. You got to think, Okay. If that's the justice you want, when the tables turn, you better be willing to accept that. And once you think about that, oh, hold on, Lord. <laughs> I'm working on some things. I need some time. Yeah. Right? How convenient that we want justice, but when it comes to us, oh, we want a little bit of slack here, Lord. I got this right here. It's, uh, this bottom is a quote, actually. It's, it says, God's judgment is like a millstone that grinds slow, and fine. I got that from Adrian Rogers. He's the prince of preaching, if you guys don't know who he is. Excellent preacher. Excellent exegeter. He's, he's with the Lord now. But that's just so perfect that, yes, God's judgment is slow like a millstone, but it grinds fine, meaning you have time to get out of the way, but if you don't get out of the way, you're going to get ground down really fine. So you have time, right? Let's look at this one. God, are you listening? Do you hear the cries of people? And there's his response here in Psalm 34, 17. He says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. God hears our cries and he's listening. I've often, there's people I've talked to and they're going through some tough times. I'm like, man, you got to cry out to the Lord. Or you hear people on the other end, they go through such a tough time and they say, yeah, I just cried out to the Lord. I said, God heard your cry. And that's their testimony. So he hears our cries. What about this one? God, why must I see this? Why must I see this injustice? Why must I see this, Lord? Here's his response, Psalm 33, 13, 14. It says, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He sees everything. We know this. He sees all things. And for this reason, he reveals the sin of mankind to us. So nobody can think, none of us can think we're perfect because sin has been revealed to us. The sin being revealed to us helps us understand that, hey, I need to humble myself because I need a savior. Quick story, 2003-04, I was uh, deployed to Iraq, and I was in an area, we had local Iraqi nationals that would come on base and work with us, okay? Trusted maybe a couple of them. The other ones, they were just pacing off our airfield, you know, we wouldn't trust them, Right? But they would come and they would tell me, Frank, you need to see this. They would have a DVD in their hand there. You need to see this. Like, what is that? 
He's like, they put this on our doorstep to everyone who they think is working with the U.S. What is it? And they're like, they would indicate it was cutting the head off, a beheading. I'm like, man, I don't want to watch that. I'm good. No, they were emphatic. You have to see this. All right. I'm telling you, I don't subscribe to this personally stuff like that, but I was like, okay. But it was something in them that they wanted me to see what they were experiencing. And I think that's the same thing that God does for us. Yes, but I don't, we don't go subscribe to morbid and things and stuff like that, but when they're in front of you, he wants you to see them. And we're having to see them because he sees them. What about our other thought? That God, where is the justice? Where is the justice at? We look at Romans 12, 19. It says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give a place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Because we possess a sin nature, we do not have the right to avenge ourselves. If you think you're going to take, if you think of taking a vengeance in your own hands, you need to sit down. And that goes for me too. Because if I get any attitude that I think I'm going to take vengeance or take something in my own hand, Frank, you need to sit down and take a step back. Oh, okay, I get it, Lord, I get it. Vengeance is not, is not mine, it's yours. You will deal with it. Okay. What about this one? God, does it pay to be righteous anymore? Does it pay to do the right thing? Proverbs 11.31, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? What is this idea here? Is that if God must judge the righteous, if God is going to judge you and I by our actions and our obedience to him at the Bema seat, how much more with those who are committed to sin and doing evil will be judged? A higher degree. If they're unbelief, they're going to be judged at the white, great white throne judgment. So that's what we have to understand, like, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. I have to wait. I have to hold on. I have to have faith through in these tough times. I have to reflect on your word and your promises. Let's get back to the scripture. Did you guys forget that we were in Habakkuk? (laughs) I did for a minute. All right. So this is Habakkuk uh, five through, uh, one through, excuse me, five through six, all right? And this is God's response. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for you will work, for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, thought it were, though it, I told you, though it were told to you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess a dwelling place that's not theirs. Okay, so God is going to raise a nation. He's not going to assemble a wicked nation, okay? So God doesn't create evil things, okay? God is not the author of evil, as some Calvinists would say. But he's going to create, allow them in their environment to do what they want to do, okay? And that's the same thing can be applied to us. God is not the author of evil, okay? But he will allow you to work in your sin. He will give you over to that and say, go ahead. 
I even create the environment to do that, if that's what you want. So the, the Chaldeans, or the Chaldeans, however you want to pronounce it, are, uh, was a pre-Babylonian people group. Okay, they actually became Babylon. All right, so they had pagan practices, uh, all, all the pagan rituals and things like that. Okay, verse seven, he says, they're a terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. They're, they're a, everything that they have comes from themselves. They give credit to themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and, the fear, uh, and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that has hastens to eat. So it's a devouring group, a, a, a group that devours. Dreadful. Verse nine, he says, they all come for violence. They come for Hamas. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand, so it's very easy for them to, to capture. They come like a rolling wheel. You were said a rolling war wheel, if you can imagine. They just consume. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. He, then he changes his mind and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing his power to his God. So they don't give power, they don't give glory to God like we do. They say, oh, that's myself. How many people have heard that? There's, that didn't come from God, that came from me. Self-righteous people, right? Happens. Okay, let's look at Habakkuk's response, okay? So we had, initially we had Habakkuk, his plea, his cry, his accusations he made toward the Lord. Now God responded and says, hey, look, I'm going to uh, raise a nation and they're going to judge you. Gets his attention, right? Because he describes him in such a graphic way at that time. Like, man, this is a consuming army, a consuming nation. They're violent. And this is his response. And it's a good one, right? He says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? He's asking God this question. God knows, right? Habakkuk knows. He said, we shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. Are you pure? Are you, you are of purer eyes than to behold evil. You cannot look upon wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a more, per more person more righteous than he? Oh my goodness. Did he just say that to God? Yes, he did. I don't know. Sometimes that doesn't go well for people. Obviously, Habakkuk, Habakkuk has some grace here. Let's touch on one thing, a couple things. The we shall not die comment, okay? We shall not die. So even Habakkuk, he understands, he's questioning God, but he understands the promises of, uh, made by God. Habakkuk has expressed his faith in a covenant between God and his chosen people. And he's holding fast to that promise. And God, I know you're telling me all this stuff is coming, but I, I'm gonna hold fast to the promise that I know that you will not wipe us out. 
We'll take some, we're going to take some losses, but I know you won't wipe us out. Many have attempted to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth, but it's not happening. Why? Because God says so that it's not happening. Here's any other idea that Habakkuk is, is struggling with. They are far worse. They're far worse. They're a far worse nation. Habakkuk is struggling to grip the idea that God will use the Chaldeans to judge them. In the same sense that God is going to use a far less righteous nation, a godless nation, to discipline Judah. And the reality is, yes, he's going to do it. And in our own personal lives, we might think, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not like such and such over here. At least I don't do the things he does. Right? In our false thinking. It's not about that. But sometimes even we're being judged on a national level. Look at this. Just as a backness witness, the ungodly judging the righteous people, so are we. You and I, we're now being judged on a national level. President Joe Biden and his administration are judging the righteous people, which the Christians or conservatives, however you want to look at it, they're being, we're being judged. We've been judged for being righteous, for doing the right thing. I mean, we can, you can go through a scope of things that this guy's done. It's like, how has that helped the person that's trying to do the right thing? And by I say righteous, someone trying to live right or do the right thing or has right values. You get judged by that. You look at a national level, you look at things like, I, don't have a, I didn't put a slide together for this, but if you look at what's going on in the southern border, there's droves of people coming. There's a problem down there. People crossing over wire, and then you have Army or National Guard, I don't know who it is, being uh, ordered to raise the wire or lower the wire so they can come over. How is that fair to somebody that wants to come over and do it the right way? Why should they take the time and money and energy to do it right? Just come down through the border, it's faster. Right? You look at the thing, the, 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 the stuff that's coming out on the, I'll say J6, because we're on YouTube and I don't want to get banned. That's Pastor Brandon's job. <laughs> but the whole thing in J6 is coming out, the whole truth is coming out on that. Where's the righteousness? Where's the judgment on that? Where's the judgment, the righteousness that, hey, there's ballots that were found being harvested. Where's the, where's the ju- justice on that? Are we going to go and correct the elections? Get this guy out of here? No, that ain't happening. Let's look on this on a personal level, being judged on a personal level. And you guys can relate because some of you have the world's worst boss. How many of you had had a horrible boss, a useless boss, a boss who doesn't know their job, and yet somehow they're put in place of authority over you? They get in there with the good old boy or good old gal system. They don't know anything, but they're still your boss, right? Like I've said, I worked in CDCR. I've had some very good bosses. I've also had some lousy ones where I'm thinking this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I have to do his job now. But yet, somehow he's put in place. And you know, I think I get, I, I think I get crafty, right? I'm like, Lord, why do I have to listen to this guy? But then the reality is like, 
you chose that job. Oh, yeah, you're right, Lord. Thank you. So what do I do? Just keep working unto the Lord, right? Work unto the Lord. So it's tough. Get it. You guys might experience this. All right. Let's get back to the scripture. 14 uh, says this. Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creepy things that have no ruler over them? Why do you allow this? Why do you create this type of men? Why do you allow it? They take up all of them. They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. And therefore they rejoice and are glad. They're happy about the things they do. Oops. Verse 16, he says, Therefore, they sacrifice to their net, burn incense to their dragnet, because by them their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful. They get food. They're prosperous. They're unrighteous, but they get all these things. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? So what we're seeing here is Habakkuk is catching on what's going on, right? He's starting to accept, okay, I see what you're doing, Lord, but I have one more question. Shall they continue to slay? Meaning this, he's understanding the near future judgment and he starts to think about the long term. And Habakkuk asks God, if the king, uh, you know, if the king of Babylon, will he be allowed to continue to slay the nations? And still the question remains, how could God allow a godless nation to punish a less sinful nation? A lot of stuff, right? I presented a lot of a hefty case to you guys, right? Where is our hope? Where do we get this from? Obviously from scripture, that I, some of those I gave you. But this is where our hope is. And it's found in Revelation 11, 15 through 18. And this is, this is actually for the tribulation saints, but it applies to us as well. And I'll read it. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in the heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should re- reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who feel you, fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. This is the announcing of the kingdom of God. And this is the moment that we're looking for, the moment where God reigns and puts everything back in order. He fixes all, makes all the wrongs right. He puts all justices in order. Everything that you and I lost, we get back. Those are the promises that we have. What about those people that commit themselves to evil and commit themselves to sin? 
says right there, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. And that's what John is talking about. Not destroy the earth, like pollute the earth or dump barrels of oil into the earth. He's talking about their behavior, about their wicked ways. They destroy the earth with their their behavior by causing war, causing strife, causing destruction. That's what he's talking about. So that is our hope there. Our hope is in him. And that one day, all these things that we've talked about will be made right. And this is the same faith that Habakkuk had. He knew that God was going to make things right. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day and your blessing, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord. And again, we're just so thankful for your word, thankful for your truth. I pray, Lord, that there's, uh, we would be able to turn to you, to turn to your word when we look around us and we just see vileness, we see wickedness, we see injustice, we see horrible things, Lord, that would be able to turn to you and, and say, Lord, I understand vengeance is yours, Lord. I know, Lord, you are going to make it right. And then we can hold on, we can have that faith. Lord God, I pray if there's anybody here that does not know you, Lord, as Lord and Savior, does not believe and trust in you for salvation, Lord, I pray that they would, they would trust in you that you died, was buried, and rose again, Lord. And that whoever is trusting in you for salvation, Lord, that they would do so and have eternal life. And Lord God, we love you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.